Amen. That song is not lit, unlike Elevate. Elevate is lit. That song is not lit. That song is heresy. Don't listen to that song. What? Amen. All right, exactly. So don't listen to that song. That song is heresy. Anyway, um, so how's everybody doing tonight? Woo! Amen. Guys, we just came back from an awesome, amazing time at CU at the Pole this past Wednesday. If you were at CU at the Pole at your school, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Who's at their school? Boom, shaka, donkeys. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'd be here all night if we were going through all the testimonies of what God was doing at these different places. My man Jeremiah was at, there wasn't a pole at Intrinsic, there was like a wall. So we stood in front of the wall and prayed. So that, that works too. Amen. Um, I'm telling you guys, it's so exciting just to hear and, and see you guys stand, make a stand for your faith, amen. And like we learned last week, I mean, if we ask God, if we're praying for God to move in our schools, he'll do it. He's just looking for somebody to ask. He's just looking for somebody to stand up and say, hey, God, by the way, my school is jacked up. My school has people that need Jesus. My school needs help. Lord, save my school. Save my friends. Save my teachers. Guys, if we start asking God for that, who knows what might happen. I believe revival can happen in this city. Amen. I believe our schools at, at Intrinsic, we were praying against depression. We were praying against uh, just the, the, you know, the, the, the wave of just uh, fear and you know, things happening in the home that God would bring peace in the families that go to intrinsic, right? That God would save the students there. They wouldn't be caught up in, in perversion and all these different things going on. I'm telling you guys, it was a powerful time. And we serve a real God, a real God up in heaven who's hearing those prayers, who's seeing us ask him to move in our, in, in our, in our midst, in our schools, among our friends, all of that stuff. God hears that. He hears our prayers, and he answers those prayers. For some of you, he might have already answered that prayer and tried sending somebody your way. Hello, somebody. Let's hope that you preach the gospel to him and didn't just turn away and be like, no, God, I didn't really mean all those prayers I prayed at the poll. No, that was just a joke or something. Well, but anyway, take, continue to take a stand for your faith. Continue to preach the gospel. God is on the move, and I'm just looking forward to what God's going to do in, in the, next, the next season that we're in. Amen. So uh, without further ado, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer here. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. I pray that you would just give us, God, even now, Lord, fresh boldness, Lord God, and, and just a fire, God, to preach your word, Lord, to take a stand for, for the faith, Lord God, despite people making fun of us or people looking down upon us because we're Christian, Lord. I pray that you would come, God, and that you would strengthen us, Lord God, and that you would give us the faith, Lord. You said in your word, God, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains, Lord God, and we want to see mountains move. We want to see mountains move, Lord God. We want to see them move in our schools, God. We want to see mountains move in our families, Lord God. So would you do that, Lord God? Have your way. Even now as we speak, Lord God, I pray that your presence would just continue, God, to fill this room, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we want to be sensitive to you, God, and what you're saying, Lord, right now. So God, even now, Lord, as we speak, Lord God, we tune our ears to what you're saying, Lord. We tune our ears into your heart, God. Whatever you want to do, Lord God, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Woo. Amen. Awesomeness. All right, so if we can all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, not 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Amen. Yes, Corinthians. Now, just a little backdrop um, about the, the Corinthian church. Obviously, Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. That was a city in uh, ancient Rome, very popular city. It was booming. 
um, Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth, which is called the Corinthians, because they were a part of Corinth, all that good stuff there. Um, the city of Corinth was a very popular city. It was booming. It had a very rich economy. A lot of trade was going on there. It was very rich in culture, very rich in society. People from all over the world would come to the city of Corinth. There were games going on. There was Olympic activities happening. Uh, very, just a very popular place to go, to meet up, to hang out. Um, there were tons of temples, beautiful architecture all over the place. Corinth was known for its extravagance. Corinth was known, the city back then in ancient Rome, it was known for its extravagance, for its beauty, for the pleasures that could be found there. There was a lot of prostitution and sexual immorality that was going on in the city of Corinth. So this was kind of like a place you could kind of maybe compare it to a place like Las Vegas or New York or Chicago, because Chicago is better than all those places, right? So you could compare Corinth to one of these big cities where things are happening. It's a really cool place to be, right? Very extravagant, very beautiful. And here, this church in Corinth, they're right there in the middle of it. They're trying to do the thing, trying to worship Jesus, trying to live for God. And we're about to see what, what Paul instructs the, the church at Corinth and what words he has to give them. So without further ado, let's read uh, verse 17 here. Paul is speaking. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That sounds awesome. Amen. But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Notice here, what is Paul preaching the gospel with? Is he preaching it with wisdom and eloquence? No. Paul makes it very clear. He says, not with wisdom or eloquence. I'm preaching the gospel to you. I'm proclaiming Christ. I'm evangelizing. I'm talking to people on the street. I'm witnessing. Not with eloquence of speech. Not with some deep philosophical wisdom that's so attractive and so mystical. Ooh, look at this. I have this new discovery I want to tell you about. Paul says, no, no, that's, that's not what I did. I didn't preach with all this wisdom and eloquence. Because if I preached on that wisdom and eloquence, then the cross would be emptied of its power. Verse 18, it says, for the message of the cross is what? Foolishness. There we go. All right. On the count of three, we're going to say that word foolishness, right? One, two, three. Foolishness, right? The message of the cross, the gospel, what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. The message of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. Amen. Now, here's the thing. The church of Corinth here, they're in the middle of this city. Very cultured, very cool place. Beauty, pleasures, extravagance all around them. And Paul kind of comes to them. He doesn't say, hey, guys, let's be more eloquent so that we can kind of relate to the people at Corinth. Let's be more fancy. Let's be more cool so that we can get the attention of those at Corinth and kind of relate to them on a certain level. He's saying, no, 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 guys, the, the message of the cross, they don't even like this. They don't even like the gospel. It doesn't even make sense to them. To those who are perishing, the message of the cross is complete foolishness. It's dumb. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's not attractive. It's not cool. It's not something you want to just join the club with. Oh, Christianity, what's that? I'm going to get a free car? Okay, sign me up, right? That's not Christianity. That's not the message of the cross. If you look at the teachings of Jesus, it's very foolish to those who are perishing, the world's standards. Paul says here, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Paul continues on in verse 22. If we can go there on the slide. 
verse 22. Paul says here, Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom. Here we go. Thank you. Jews demand a sign and Greeks search or look for wisdom. But we preach, verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. Very simple. Not eloquent, right? According to the words of Peter, uh, Paul. Not eloquent. Not some deep, wise, philosophical teaching. We preach Christ crucified, right? Jesus died on the cross. Bam, for your sins. Repent. Boom, shakalaka. We preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Here Paul uses again that word, foolishness. Now the Jews, the reason why Christ dying on the cross, Christ crucified, all that, the reason why that's a stumbling block for the Jews is because they didn't believe Jesus would do such a thing. In their minds, they're waiting for a Messiah, a Savior, who's going to come, conquer the world, destroy all the enemies of Israel. He's going to rule with an iron fist, and he's going to elevate the people of Israel above everyone else, and it's going to be this awesome kind of kingdom-conquering thing going on. So when the Jews hear about this Jesus who gave himself up on the cross, died a very gruesome death, right? To them, that's like, wait a minute, no, our king would not do that. Like, why would a king die on the cross? That doesn't make sense. That's stupid, right? So the Jews view Christ crucified as a stumbling block. They're like, hold on. No, I'm not going to believe that. That's not cool. That doesn't make any sense. We, we don't want that kind of Christ. We want a conquering king. And the good news is Jesus will come back one day and conquer everything and make all wrongs right. But first, as a famous preacher likes to say, he came to conquer our hearts first. Amen. So that's what Jesus did. But again, the Jews, it was a stumbling block to them. They didn't want to believe that. So the Jews are over here. They're rejecting the gospel. They think it's a stumbling block. They don't, they don't like it. It doesn't make sense to them. And then to the Gentiles, everybody else who's not Jewish, that's simply what the word Gentile means, everybody who's not Jewish. If you're not Jewish in this place, raise your hand. Amen. Okay, that's, that's pretty much everybody. If you are Jewish, you're cool. So anyway, um, so the Gentiles, we have the Jews, Jesus Christ, it's a stumbling block. It doesn't make sense. I don't like it. Now the Gentiles, do they differ do they have a different opinion? Is the message of the cross more appealing to the Gentiles now, to those who aren't Jewish? What do those who aren't Jewish think about Jesus and the cross and the message of the gospel? Well, to them, it's foolishness. So whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, if you don't have Jesus and you're perishing and you're living in your sin, the, the message of the cross, it's not attractive. It's foolish. It's stupid. You come to somebody and, and preach the gospel to them and say, hey, you can be born again. You can leave your lifestyle of sin. You can leave these pleasures of the world aside and, 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 and be set free, right? We preach that to somebody who loves their sin, who doesn't want to change. They're going to look at you like a deer in the headlights. Wait a minute. I can't, I can't sleep around. I can't have sex before marriage. I can't smoke. I can't do drugs. I can't have alcohol and get drunk. I can't go to parties. What kind of gospel is this? It's foolishness. It's stupid. It's not cool. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's not attractive to those who are perishing, to those who look at sin and the benefits of sin and the pleasures of sin and all this type of stuff going on in the world in our culture. If that's what you love, if that's what you're after, my friends, the gospel will have no appeal to you because the gospel in and of itself is simply just Jesus. It's Jesus. It's a man. man. A man, Christ Jesus, who came 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross. That's the gospel. He did it for you. He loves you. He can set you free from your sin, right? 
That's the gospel. That's the Christ crucified. But if you love your sin and you don't want God in your life and, 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 and you just want to stay in captivity, then what, what appeal is there to the message of the cross? What appeal? What, what, tell me, what is attractive then about Jesus, about serving God? The Bible says that we have to be, instead of slaves to sin, we have to be slaves to God. We have to worship him. We have to put him first in everything. Guys, if we're not willing to do that, right, for those who are perishing, they hear a message like that, and they're like, wait a minute, what? Why would I lay down my life for somebody that I can't even see? Why would I worship? Why would I come to, okay, I mean, honestly, guys, right, maybe some of your friends have said this before. Why would I come to a church, lift my hands, sing words on a screen, do this whole ritualistic stuff? That's weird. That, that's dumb. That's not cool. That's foolish. I don't get it. I don't, I don't want what you have. The Jews, it was a stumbling block. The Gentiles, it was just foolishness. But again, to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, like what Paul said in verse 18, for those who are perishing, it's foolishness, but for those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The gospel is something powerful, something amazing, something that's transformed our life. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. For those of us who have been saved, we get it. We've encountered the power of the Lord, that it's actually that good, that it's actually better than the rest of the sin and the things that the world and the culture throws at us. It really is better. It really is more awesome. It's really more cool than all that other stuff the world throws at us because we've experienced the power of God. But for those who haven't experienced the power of God, for those who don't know the power of God and all they know is their sin and all they want is their sin, again, they hear the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ dying on the cross. It's foolishness to them. It's foolishness to them. It's stupid. So you go to your school. You're walking around. You wear a little cross on your neck, on, on your neck, and you tell your friend, hey, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Don't be surprised if that friend looks you back in the eye and says, you're stupid. You're dumb. You love Jesus? Jesus died years ago. He's, he's just some fictional character. One time we were evangelizing, me and some friends, and we were talking to this person about the Lord. And he was, he, he didn't even really want to hear it to begin with. But at one point, he just looks at us and says, Jesus, he's a, he's a fictional character. He's like the comic books. He's like the superheroes. He's like the Avengers. That's what this guy said. Because to him, in his mind, he never encountered the power of God. And to him, the message of Jesus, the message of Christ crucified, it's foolishness to him. So much foolishness to the point where he's even equating Jesus, God, as some kind of fictional superhero that man has created and made up. Haven't we all met somebody like that? Haven't we all seen somebody like that that's walking around? They hear about your faith in God. They hear that you love Jesus. They hear that you even go to church, and they start mocking you, and they start ridiculing you, and they start saying you're dumb, and they start saying you're stupid. Why do you go to church? That doesn't make sense. You're weird, right? We've all experienced that. We've all seen that. The reason why they do that is because they've never encountered the power of Christ. They don't know what it's like to experience Jesus. And until they surrender and say, okay, I'm tired of my sin, guys, that's all they're going to think. That's how the world sees us. 
That's how the people in all these different colleges are looking at each and every one of you here tonight. They see uh, a room full of youth, and they think to themselves, they're all, they're all wasting their lives. They're wasting their time. Oh, there's so much potential here. Why are they wasting time at church? Why are they going to church? Why are they spending time singing songs to this fictional character? Why are they doing that? See, that's how the world views us as Christians, as believers. Stop waiting for, like, your friends at school and who know you and all that stuff. Don't wait around for them to, like, accept you as a Christian. Don't wait for them to, like, start saying, hey, you know what? You're a Christian? Man, that's really cool. Man, I like you, man. Man, you believe in Jesus? Oh, that's awesome, man. You, you keep doing you, man, because that's, that's great. No, that's not how the world looks at believers. That is not how those in the world who love their sin, right, that's not how they look at you. If you go to church, my friend, guys, if, if some of your friends knew that you came to church, if you, would have, if, if you would speak up and tell them that you go to church, if they knew, they'd make fun of you. They'd mock you. Maybe that's, some, maybe that's the reason why some of us don't like to tell others that we go to church because we know in our minds already they're going to make fun of us. They're going to mock us. They're going to really, oh, here we go again. My friend's going to start talking about how dumb I am for believing in Jesus, right? That's how the world looks at us. We turn on the news. Again, we, we, we even go to class. Our teachers, our science professors, our history professors, whoever it is, you hear it all the time, them taking shots at Christianity, them saying how dumb Christianity is. Guys, Christianity is not looked upon as an intellectual religion. Now, don't get me wrong. There's very deep philosophy in the, in the scripture. It's amazing. The Bible says that in Christ, all things are held together. Jesus is the truth, right? So that there, there's, there's tons of intellectual things about the Bible and about what God says in his word. But how does the world look at it? For those who are perishing, right, according to verse 18, they look at scripture. They look at you sitting here in these chairs, and they say, there's something wrong with you. They say, why are you praying? Why are you talking to this imaginary character? Why do you... Why do you go to this building and, and, and hang out with other like-minded people? Why are you doing this? Again, it doesn't make sense to them. We all understand, understand the word foolishness, don't we? Foolishness means something stupid, something that doesn't add up, something that's not attractive. You see a fool on the street, somebody who's kind of bumbling around. I don't know what, what the definition of fool is, is in your mind, what a fool would look like. But according to the Bible... Those who are perishing, look at us, right? Look at you in your school, maybe wearing a, a, again, wearing a cross or, you know, you're reading your Bible in the cafeteria, whatever. They see that and they're like, that's a fool right there. That's a goofball. He's reading his Bible. He don't know anything. He's dumb. Look at him. He's so weird, right? This is how the world perceives us. This is how the world looks at us. And so here Paul is telling this church in Corinth, guys, don't worry about the Gentiles. They think it's foolish anyway. It's just about Jesus. It's just about the cross crucified. I'm not going to waste my time trying to use eloquence, trying to appeal to them on their level and use some kind of cool slang or language. I'm just going to preach Christ crucified. Because in a nutshell, that's what the gospel is anyway. So why waste my time trying to come up with some fancy terms and, and make myself look attractive to the world? So that somehow the world will, will like me more. That's what Paul is trying to warn the church of Corinth in. Because remember, the church of Corinth, 
was in the city of Corinth, and they were surrounded by a bunch of cool people, so to speak. They were surrounded by a lot of extravagance, a lot of pleasures, a lot of different things that looked very attractive to the human eye. And I'm sure these people in Corinth, these believers, struggled. They would go outside as a believer. Maybe they just got done reading their devotions. Maybe they just got done praying. Maybe they just got done getting out of Elevate, right? And so they come out, and all of a sudden they see this, you know, huge temple dedicated to some crazy pagan god. And they see people having sex. And they see people just doing all kinds of crazy perverted things. And then those people come to them and look at them and say, hey, wait, you just got out of church? I mean, imagine that. Somebody from the church of Corinth, they exit out their church, they're walking, doing their thing, going about their business, and somebody else from the outside, somebody who's perishing, somebody who's not a believer and doesn't want to have anything to do with God, sees them. Hold on. Look at this Christian. Look at them walking down the street. Where's your God? Who do you think you are? You know how many religions are, are out there? And you say there's only one Jesus and one God. Man, open up your mind. You're so, you're so close-minded. There's so many philosophies out there. There's so many cool religions. Why don't you just open up your mind and, and talk to some of them and, and, and take some of them into your own religion and, and, and think about them and look at them, right? All of Corinth and its extravagance and its pagan, you know, anti-God, anti-Christ attitude would look at these believers in Corinth and would probably mock them and persecute them and make fun of them. So I can just see those Christians in the church of Corinth kind of, again, maybe getting influenced, maybe getting a little scared. They, they, they see all this extravagance, extravagance going on, all these pleasures happening in front of them, and maybe they start thinking to themselves, well, maybe I should act like them too to, 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 to kind of get to know them a little bit better so I, I don't look as weird, you know, because I don't want to look that weird or that crazy to these people at Corinth. I, I want to kind of fit in. Maybe if I present the gospel a certain way. Maybe if I say, hey, Jesus is, is so loving, he, can, he even loves your sin. It's okay. You can keep sinning. It's okay. Oh, oh, I can keep sinning? Okay, cool. I, I like Jesus now. You know what I mean? So this is kind of the dilemma of the church of Corinth, but Paul reinforces this idea. He says, no, 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 guys. The Gentiles, they don't even, they, don't even waste your time. They already think you're crazy. They, they think Jesus is crazy. They think the gospel's foolishness. Don't, guys, just preach Christ crucified. Don't try and get into this fitting in mindset of, oh, well, I have to use eloquent speech, and I have to be fancy, and I have to try and fit in with their culture and their beliefs and all this stuff. He says, no, 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 guys, they're perishing. They think it's foolishness. For us, though, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. That's why we're saved. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we're serving the Lord. That's why we're going to church, not because of these other things. So don't waste your time with them. Don't waste your time trying to make an appeal to somebody who doesn't want God. Because they're going to look at you crazy anyway at the end of the day. Just keep serving Jesus. Because it's the power of God in you, working through you. Next slide, please. Paul then continues on with this, this notion here. Again, he kind of really hammers at it with the Church of Corinth throughout the whole entire book here. Same book, chapter 2 now. It says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come, here we go again, with eloquence or human wisdom. When Paul came to the church of Corinth, he didn't try and come with this, again, this special attractive package. Hey, guys, I'm going to come to you. I'm a man of God. Here, I'm going to give away free cars. I'm going give, to give away free money. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let, let's, let's work on the church. Let's make it look more fancy and more big so that we can attract more people to come and make the gospel and, and Jesus look more cool, right? No, he says, guys, when I came to you, I didn't even come in eloquence or human wisdom. As I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, it says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ crucified. I knew nothing. See, here, here's, here's the wisdom of Jesus, right? Here's the wisdom of the gospel. You want to know the wisdom of Christ and Christianity? Here it is. Know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. That's it. That's it. Know nothing. Paul says, I knew nothing. Guys, that kind, that kind of sounds dumb, doesn't it? That kind of sounds foolish, doesn't it? Wait a minute, Paul. What do you mean you knew nothing? What do you mean you didn't know anything, Paul? No, no, no. You didn't mean that, Paul. You sound dumb now. You sound kind of stupid, Paul. No, no, no. Take that back. But Paul's like, no, guys. You don't get it. I knew nothing except Christ and Christ crucified. Because you see, guys, that's all Paul knew, and that's all he needed to know. He didn't need to know about 1,100 other religions. He didn't need to know every philosophy. He didn't need to know every cool, hip, slang term out there. He just needed to know Jesus and Christ crucified. And that was enough. I didn't come to you with, with eloquence or human wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. Next slide. I came to you in strength in strength and ability and power and talent with a huge, like, cool, talented team juggling balls and doing some, some crazy circus stuff. No, no, what does it say? I came to you, Paul speaking. This is the apostle Paul speaking, right? Paul says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Paul is kind of making this confession because he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point to the Corinthian church. He's trying to say, guys, look, I, when I came to you, I came to you in weakness. I was kind of scared. I came with great fear. Guys, Paul got scared sometimes. Hello, somebody. With great fear and trembling. We all know what trembling is, right? I can just imagine Paul in front of the Corinthian church. According to this description, trembling would be, hey, guys, I'm Paul. I love Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's trembling. That's fear, right? And, and this is how Paul came to the Corinthian church. Not very impressive. Not very impressive. Not very cool. Paul didn't, wasn't this big, buff, strong, little, talented man that just wowed everybody. He came and he was kind of, he was kind of, he came in his weakness. He was kind of scared. He was kind of shaking and trembling a little bit when he was preaching to the, to the Corinthian church. Which is funny because the church in Corinth emphasized the exact opposite. The church in Corinth emphasized strength, emphasized boldness and, and talent and ability and confidence in oneself. And what one person can do, I can do this, I can do anything, look at me, I put so much effort into my abilities and my talents. Being firm and, again, confident and all that stuff. Paul says, guys, I did, that, that, that wasn't me at all. What, what your society, what your culture was saying is, is the standard. Guys, well, I, I didn't meet the standard. I came to you in my weakness. I didn't have any special extravagant thing I was doing to compete with the Corinthian society of all the gold and majestic buildings and all this, this pleasure. I, I, didn't, I couldn't compete with that. I, I was kind of scared, to be honest. Verse 4 says, my message and my preaching 
for not with wise and persuasive words. Do we understand this, guys? Paul is making this point. I'm going to repeat it again and again, guys, because I want you to understand this. Paul is saying here, my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words. When Paul came to the church at Corinth, he wasn't trying to persuade people. Do we understand that? It's not our job as Christians to persuade people to come to Jesus. We don't have to persuade anybody. We don't have to put some kind of little scheme, some kind of marketing scheme. Hey, come to Jesus and, and get like two four for fours or something. Like, it's not this kind of deal, guys. I love four for fours, though, guys. Y'all know. Y'all know. Some of you. <laughs> but Paul is saying here, guys, he did not come with persuasive words or even wise words. He was not trying to sway anybody's opinion. He was not trying to persuade people to leave some kind of extravagant lifestyle. He wasn't trying to do some kind of cool marketing, hop, skip, and a jump type of thing. When, why did he do this? Why did he do this? Everybody look up at the screen, read the verse. Why did Paul not use wise and persuasive words? But, everybody say but. But, with a demonstration of whose power? The Spirit's power. Some of you guys need to get that today. I'm going to read verse 4 again. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I didn't come to you trying to persuade you out of my own ability and talent so that the, the Spirit's power would be demonstrated through me. Because I know in my own strength I am weak, I'm scared, I tremble, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I have power. Because that's the source of my power. That's the source of my strength. That's the source of my identity and who I am as a believer. It's the power of God. As we read in verse 18, it says, for those who are perishing, it's foolishness, the message of the cross. But for us, it's what? The power. The power of God. It's the power of God in us for those who believe. But with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on what? Human wisdom but on God's power. This isn't the end of the message, but guys, I want you to ask yourself, what is your, what is your faith resting on right now? Let's just take a moment of reflection. What is your faith resting on right now? Is it resting on man? Is it resting on some kind of human wisdom? Some kind of self-help, self-talent, ability, confidence, inner self, whatever, blah, 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 that the world throws at you, believe in yourself, and you can do anything. Is this what your faith rests on? And some person, oh, well, I go to my church, and my pastor this, and my pastor that. Sometimes it's a case of, well, my, my parents are saved. My parents are Christian. So, yeah, it's my, my father. It's my, it's my mom. You know, my parents are saved, so, so I'm good. Does your faith rest on human wisdom? Or does it rest on God's power? Are you putting your faith and your trust in some kind of man-made system? Some kind of belief in yourself? That if I just try hard enough, I can accomplish anything? Is that what your faith is in or is your faith in God? Are you trusting in God's power? When you go to your friends, when you're in school and you're, you're surrounded by everybody who's cursing, Guys, I was, in, I was in college for a little bit. I was at Wright College, and a lot of people say it's just like high school because of the, anyway. So, <laughs> so when I was there, guys, I was surrounded by a bunch of other students who all they would do was curse, blast gangster music, 
talk about a bunch of perverted stuff, guys. As a believer, surrounded by all of this stuff, I am in the minority. I am alone by myself. And in that moment, would I put my faith and my trust in my own ability to kind of appeal to them and look cool? No. There's no way I could stand up to that. There's no way I could compete with that. Some of these guys were really cool. They had all the kind of, you know, clothes and, and gear. I mean, they, they looked pretty, pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? They, they were blasting this music. It sounded pretty smooth, all this stuff. They looked good. They looked good. They, they, they looked like they were having a fun time. You feel me? I wasn't going to try and persuade them to have more fun in Jesus. But what do I have that they don't have? I have Jesus. I have the power of God. And what can the power of God do? How is the power of God better than the human wisdom that they might be living by? I'll tell you what, the power of God can set you free from pornography. The power of God can set you free from cutting yourself. The power of God can set you free from addictions to smoking weed and getting filled off of this other substances because you don't want to view your, your depressed lifestyle and all these different things that you don't want to face. I have the power of God inside of me. Not human wisdom because human wisdom can't, can't deal with those things. But with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. If we can go then to the next slide. Again, Paul is making his appeal to these people at Corinth. He's saying, guys, look, it's about the Holy Spirit's power. It's about God's power, Christ crucified. You don't have to appeal to people. You don't have to persuade them. You don't have to change things up. You don't have to make the gospel more attractive. They think you're crazy anyway. Just focus on Jesus. Just stick to the word of God. Just stick to the power of God in your lives because that's what it's about. That's what gives us our identity as believers. It's the power of God that separates us from everybody else. And in verse 10, he kind of drives in the point once more. It says, we are fools for Christ. How many of you guys are fools for Christ? Amen? You go to your school and you're a fool. You're stupid. You're dumb. How many of you guys want to sign up for that program? Hello, somebody. You walk into your school. Everybody thinks you're stupid. Everybody thinks you're dumb. Everybody's mocking you. Anybody want to do that? We're fools for Christ. We're fools for Christ in our family. When our parents aren't saved and they ask, why are you going to church? You should be studying and getting A's. We're fools for Christ. When our friends are all smoking weed, getting high, laughing, joking around, and they say, God, you know, how, how come you don't want to have the, the same kind of fun we're having? Because I'm a fool for Christ. Your friends are looking at a bunch of perverted stuff on the side. They're laughing. They're giggling. And they say, hey, come on over. Look at this. No, I'm not doing that. Oh, why? You're being weird. Everyone else is doing it. No, I'm a fool for Christ. Don't you get it? I know nothing. <laughs> I don't know anything because all I know is Jesus and him crucified. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ. Now, the next couple of verses, Paul draws a contrast between himself and the apostles and the disciples in the Corinthian church. Here you kind of kind of see uh, at least what, what Paul is hinting at here, you can kind of see the attitude of the Corinthian church and the way they viewed things. So in case you're wondering what's going on here, it's, it's kind of like an ironic, Paul is basically kind of being a little, a little sassy here. He says, we are fools for Christ, but you, the Corinthian church, are so wise in Christ. We are weak in Christ. Remember Paul, I came to you in weakness. I came to you trembling, a little bit afraid. We are weak, but you, Corinthian church, oh, well, you're so strong, aren't you? 
You're so honored in the community. Everybody looks so highly up at you. But we as apostles, we're, we're dishonored among everybody. Verse 11, to this very hour, we are hungry. We are thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. Next slide. When we are cursed, we bless. When somebody curses you out at school, what's the dumb thing to do, right? What's the stupid thing to do? And when somebody curses at you, says, F you, blah, 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 you so dumb, you so stupid, and they start going off on you, what do you do, right? What does the fool of Christ do? They bless them instead. Oh, F what? Oh, well, hey, man. <laughs> hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Hey, man, you know, you're, you're cursing me out, but I'm praying for you, man. I, I don't know what you're going through, but I know Jesus cares about you. When you're cursed at, you bless. As the apostles here talking, when, when we are persecuted, we don't fight back. We don't get back up, wave our fists at them, say, oh, you want to smack me for believing a Christian? You want to smack me for, for tr putting my trip? Well, I'm going to show you, right? He says, no, and when we're persecuted, we, we just endure it. We just take it says, when we are slandered, people are talking about us. Oh, this girl, that. Oh, this guy, man. I saw him go to church, man. I saw him reading his Bible in the cafeteria. Oh, this, this, this girl, man, she thinks she's so spiritual. She thinks she's, she's better than everybody else. What, what, what is our response? What is the Christian response? What does the fool of Christ do? He or she, instead of answering harshly, instead of talking back about that person, instead of posting a Facebook status, putting that person on blast, well, I'm not going to name names, but somebody, blah, 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 and you just go on and write. No, 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 that's not what a fool for Christ does. Again, they do the opposite of what the world thinks. Because remember, the gospel's stupid. It's foolish. It's, it's dumb. Why would you do that, right? So instead of cursing them out or slandering them back or getting them back and putting them on blast, what do we do? We, we answer them kindly. That person that's gossiping about us in school, you go up to them and you, you give them a handshake. You give them a muffin. You tell them you love them. You tell them, come to my church, man. You invite them over to your house and sit down with them and talk to them and get to know them. That's what the Christian does. That's what the fool for Christ does. They do what's opposite from the world. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of foolish. It's kind of stupid. But we're fools for Christ, right? That's what we do. And that's how we live. When we're are slandered, we answer kindly. And this last part here, we have become the scum of the earth. I want everybody to see that. Read this verse carefully, guys. We have become the scum of the earth. The garbage of the world, right up to this moment. How many of you guys want that on your resume? How many of you guys want to put that as your little, your little uh, Facebook religious post? I'm the scum of the earth. I'm, I'm garbage. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We understand God is not talking, or the, 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 the apostles, they're not saying, they're not, they don't have low self-esteem issues. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm garbage, guys, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not, it's not that context. They're saying, hey, the, the world, those around us who don't believe in Jesus, who aren't on the same page, they're dying in their sin. They love their sin. They love the pleasures of the world. They look at us, and they look at us as scum, as garbage of the world, something that's just tossed out when it's not needed anymore. 
that's how the world looks at a believer as a Christian. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. This is Apostle Paul talking here. Can we say that of ourselves? Can we say that of our own lives? Because of Jesus, because of the power of God, because of what God has done inside of me, because of my testimony, because of what have I experienced in the presence of the Lord, my salvation, knowing him, because of that, am I willing now to become the scum of the earth? Am I willing to become the garbage of the world? See, these apostles weren't playing around. And they were, trying, they were talking to a church that was so full of all this different extravagance. They were surrounded by pleasures. They were surrounded by all these different things. Daryl, if you can come up to the keys. They were surrounded by all these different pleasures. Fancy things, things that could catch the attention of the eye. Put the slide back up, please, Oscar. They were surrounded by all these things in the Corinthian church. And Paul's saying, guys, it's not even about that. Why are you trying to find your identity in these other things? Why are you trying to put value in what the world has to offer? Why are you trying to appeal to those who don't believe in God? They don't get you. They look at you as scum. They look at you as garbage. Rest in your identity in Christ that it's the power of God that saves you, that transforms you. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. This was the, this was the extent that Paul was willing to go for his faith, for what he believed in, for Jesus. He was a fool for Christ. He went against what the world said. He went against what society was telling him he had to be. He went against what the culture was saying he had to be like. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a weak person. I got scared easily when I was talking to you. But I preached to you in weakness so that you could see it's not in my own power, but it's in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage each and every one of you here today can you say this for yourself? Can you say for yourself, I am willing to become the scum of the earth? How many of you guys are willing to go to your school and be made fun of? We just came back from Siwa at the pole. We're kind of on this high of how awesome, you know, it is to be a Christian and how, how cool it is. We come to a youth group and everybody's talking about how they went to their pole and they were praying. And, oh, it's so lit. It's so awesome. But guys, let's be honest. When we go back to our school and it's just us and them it's just us in the classroom and everyone else around us cursing mocking god making fun of christian making making perverted jokes doing all these things it's us and them are we going to be willing to be a fool for christ and say no i'm not going to swear no i'm not going to make those dirty jokes no i'm not going to act stupid like you're doing making fun of the teacher slandering, gossiping. I'm not going to do that. Well, what if they start talking about you? What if they make a, a Facebook post about you? What if they delete you as your friend? What if they unfollow you on Snapchat? Oh my gosh. What if they cut you out of their friend circle? And what if it's just you sitting at a table by yourself every single day when you go to school? 
Are you willing to do that for Christ? Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Are you willing to be looked upon? Guys, when, when Paul is saying he's the scum of the earth, that means when he's walking down the street, when he's walking down the streets of Corinth, when he's walking down the streets of Ephesus or wherever, whatever city he was in, he's saying, guys, the world, when they're looking at me walking down the street, they see scum. They see garbage. They see a worthless, foolish man. Paul is saying, I'm okay with that because I experienced the power of God. Because I experienced Jesus in me. And it's okay if they think I'm crazy. It's okay if they think I'm foolish. It's okay if they call me dumb. It's okay if they mock me and they mock my faith. Because I experienced the power of God. And I know it's real. And I don't have to persuade anybody. And I don't have to convince anybody. And I don't have to try and bribe people to, to be saved or come to my church. I rest in the power of of the Holy Spirit and I let him do the work for me. I'm a fool for Christ. I know nothing except Christ crucified. Some of you here in this place, you go to school and you're not willing to be this. You're not willing to be, guys, do we understand this here? Man, guys, guys, guys. do we understand this in this place? You go to your school and you don't want to be known as garbage for Jesus. Do we understand that in this place? You don't want to go to your school and be, and, 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 and be known for being a fool for Jesus. That's so, no, I don't want to do that. Well, how do I know? Oh, Lawrence, you're judging me. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. From some of the things I hear, some of you guys don't even want to talk about Jesus. Some of you guys want to ignore our leaders when we come and evangelize to your school. Come on, somebody. Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Are you willing to take a stand for Jesus? Are you willing to be made? I mean, guys, I'm just, I, just, I just want you to understand the, the, the picture here, guys. I mean, I'm not, I can't move on just yet until we understand this and we get this. Guys, this means you're going to school. You're walking down the hallway, right? You're going to your locker. I want everybody to close your eyes and imagine right now. Just close your eyes just for a second. Let's just imagine us going to school. We're going to our locker. We're opening up the locker. And five of our friends come passing down the hallway. And they look at us. And you can hear them whisper, that person's a Christian. They're stupid. They don't know anything. They're so dumb. And they say that about you. Then you close the locker. Then you go to your cafeteria. You get your lunch. You just want to eat lunch. And you hear the other table now. The person's a Christian. All they talk about is Jesus. Seems like they don't know anything except Jesus. What's wrong with them? Are we okay with that? You can open up your eyes now. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that, guys? Are we okay with being made fun of for Jesus? Are we okay with being mocked for Jesus? Because it'll happen. Guys, if you're really taking a stand for Jesus, again, you know what that looks like, taking a stand for Jesus, actually being a Christian in your school. People are making perverted jokes. I see it happen all the time. Sometimes it happens in church, for goodness sake. You're making a dumb joke, talking about sex or whatever. This girl so this, or this guy so that. You're making stupid jokes, and you know what? You're in the middle of this conversation, this little roasting session, and you get up and you say, guys, that's enough. I'm not doing this. I'm going to walk away. 
I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, so I'm not going to do this with you. So you walk away. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Now, I guess I was trying to address what happens after that, but some of you guys need to go to step one and just take a stand up for Jesus first. Some of you guys haven't experienced persecution because you're not even living for Jesus in your school. Guys, you need to stand up for the Lord. You need to be a witness in your school. You need to, you may need, you need to make it known that you're a believer, that you love Jesus. But again, it's so easy for us, and, and I, you know, even for myself, it's easy for me to just kind of get so consumed by the opinions of people and what other people are thinking, what other people are saying that, you know, it, again, it influences how I say things, it influences what I do, how I act around them, or how I act around a certain group, right? Are we willing to change that for Jesus? Are we willing, guys, are we willing? I pray that somebody in this place would go to their school and be okay with call, being called stupid and dumb for Jesus. I, I really do. I pray that somebody would be able to go to their school and not care if they're looked at as scum, as garbage. Again, Paul was taking such a stand. Guys, Paul was a legitimate disciple. If we can all stand right now. Paul was a legitimate disciple, proclaimed Jesus, talked about the faith, all these different things. He loved the Lord. He was a true disciple. He was the truest of the true. And how do you know if someone's a Christian? I want to tell you what. Look at the people around them and ask them their opinion of that person. Look at what Paul makes his boast in. I was, I was so saved. I was so sold out for God. People looked at me as if I was crazy. Guys, we have to get to that point. We have to get to that point. We have to get to a point where we're willing to be, to be looked upon as crazy, as garbage, as scum, as just this. I mean, when, when, when people are cursing at us, we bless. Are we doing that? Guys, I, I mean, I, I just kind of read through it. Just kind of, you know, some are just, just reading the verses out. But guys, did we actually look at this? Like, hey, if somebody curses at us tomorrow, man, if somebody cursed us out, they pointed their finger at us and they just straight up cursed us out in every possible way. Would we bless them? That's what it looks like. That's what radical Christianity looks like when somebody's blasting you and cursing you out. You bless them instead. Are we doing that? When somebody's slandering us and cutting us down, saying all kinds of mean things about us, are we answering them kindly? There's your standard. There's what it means to be a disciple. Be kind to people. Not just to that old lady who's, who's crossing the street with the groceries. No, be kind to the person that's slandering you. Bless the person who's cursing you. It's the foolishness of Christ. It's the foolishness of the gospel. But we do it because we've experienced the power of God. We do it because we've seen and encountered Jesus for ourselves. That's why Paul was able to say, I'm a fool for Christ. We can all bow our heads and close our eyes right now. Father, I just ask you that you would. <sighs> Holy Spirit, convict us, God. First and foremost, Lord God. I pray that you would convict us, God. We invite you, Lord God, in this room, Lord God, show us, God, where we're not. God, where we're too afraid, Lord, to just, God, we're putting too much emphasis on appealing to the world or trying to fit in. 
God, we don't want to be known as a fool for Christ, Lord God. We, want, we don't want to be known as the scum of the earth. God, I pray that you would show us, Lord God, those moments where we could have taken a stand for the gospel, those moments where we could have spoken up about Jesus or, or done something, Lord God, instead of cursing somebody out, Lord God, we could have blessed them. Lord God, show us these moments in our lives this past week, Lord God, where we could have been a fool for Christ. Where somebody could have looked at us and said, that's so dumb that you would do that. Why would you act this way? Well, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I'm not going to do that. Show us right now, Holy Spirit. Guys, Christianity isn't popular. Being a Christian, being a disciple, there's nothing popular about being Christian, guys. There's nothing popular about being saved. There's nothing cool about coming to church. If you think you're popular by being a Christian, you're wrong. You're dead wrong because you're going to be deserted by all of your friends in a day, guys. Don't put your hope in popularity. Don't put your hope in some kind of cool little cultural, uh, what society tells you. That won't work. That won't do anything for you. You have to be willing to be a fool for Jesus. You have to be willing to be foolish for Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and touch us right now, Lord God. If I can have my altar workers, TJ and Jackie, come up. If you guys want personal one-on-one -on -one prayer, this is what the altar, uh, altar workers are here for. You can go up to them and talk to them on your own, one-on-one. -on -one. But for everybody else here, for everybody else here, guys, if, if you are if you are saying to yourself, I want to encounter the power of God so much. I want to know Christ and Him crucified. That's it. That's it. I want to be like Paul. I want to be, I just I want to be able to say I know nothing except Christ and Christ crucified. There's the altar call. If you want, if you want to say of yourself, I only know Jesus and Him crucified, that's it. I don't know anything else. If that's you, I want you to come up to these altars and just make a public declaration, a confession. Just confess to Jesus that, that, he's, he's, that he's it. And that's all, you, that's all you want to know. That message was for you, and you're feeling that, that pull in your heart just to make that declaration. I want you to come up to these altars and just tell Jesus that you're all in. Tell Jesus that you're all in and that he's the only thing that's on your mind. And that you're willing to be persecuted, that you're willing to be ridiculed. If that's you, I want you to come up right now as, as the altars are open.